When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. You know, for as long as I have been doing a financial radio show, and (laughs) it's been a very long time, uh, 1988, I have always loved the question part of the show where you call questions into me. And we still do that to this day. We just do it a little differently. You call me with questions at 855-935-TALK, which is kind of the old-fashioned way. Or you can send those questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form, and you can record your voice, which is my favorite way to get them because they sound pretty good. So today, once again, it's the Q&A Friday, and we've got questions that came in today exclusively from TalkingRealMoney.com via the contact form. So you can still call 855-935-TALK, and we will get your questions answered on a future podcast or show. But you can send them in also at TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the contact form. Now, uh, let's get to, we have a bunch of questions, but only from four different people. We've just got some multiples in here. So let's get started with this one. Hi, Don and Tom. Thank you for all the information over the years. I have a real basic question. In your 60-40 portfolio, is the house included in the 40? Or because you live there, do you just count the 40 as your cash and your bonds? Thanks. This question does come up every now and again. Everybody's looking for a way. (laughs) Really, it's like, hmm, what can I use to make my fixed income portfolio so that I don't have to buy or own those nasty bonds? Can my house be that? No. Can Social Security? No. Your house is your house. It should not, you didn't buy it. You really shouldn't have purchased it as an investment. It may, at some future date, turn out to be a good investment, but it's your home. It serves a different purpose. Unless you're somebody who just flips houses a lot, then it I guess that makes it part of your portfolio. But for most people, a house should not be considered part of a portfolio. One, it's incredibly illiquid. Two, you live in it. Do you want to sell it when you need money? Are you going to sell it to rebalance your portfolio? It doesn't rebalance well. And it doesn't value well either. You know, you may think it's worth X today, but in reality, even though Zillow says it is, if you tried to put it on the market, would you get X right now? Would you even get X 6, 8, 10, 12 months down the road? No. Real estate in a REIT, that's part of the portfolio. Real estate that you own as a business, That's not part of your portfolio. Your house, not part of your portfolio. Thanks for the good question, though. I do appreciate it. And uh, now we've got, oh, this is the triple question. Okay, we got three questions in one 
So what I might do is split this up and answer each question individually. Good morning, Don and Tom. I hope you have a blessed day. Hey, I've got a few questions for you. I want to run by you. First of all, I've always heard that bond yields go up as prices of the bonds actually go down. And when regards to buying BND, is this the same case as the price of the ETF actually falls? Do the bond yields actually go up, meaning you're still getting a return on your money? Or do you just lose money until the price of the ETF goes back up? That's question number one. The bond yields rising as prices fall is a little backward. It's actually the other way. When interest rates rise, bond prices fall. And as interest rates rise, the interest that you will get on future bonds will be rising until rates stop rising. So that means that the bonds in an existing portfolio will fall in value and their yields will not rise. You see, they fall in value because they're lower-yielding bonds from the past. And to compensate a current buyer for that low yield, you have to reduce the price to make the yield after the lower price equivalent to today's yields. But with something like BND, you should see the rate, and we have seen, by the way, if you look at the rate, it's been rising pretty dramatically week after week after week after week so that your yield is growing. Over time, as older bonds mature out, it eventually should wash out too. So um, yeah, it's as rates rise, prices fall. That's how we should look at it. Question number two has to do with being at full retirement age. If you're at your full retirement age, but you're still working and you're not taking your social security payments, are you leaving money on the table? Now, not taking Social Security at full retirement age and waiting. Well, that's a good thing. What happens is the amount you get gets a lot bigger. We've talked about this several times. I looked at my own Social Security statement last week, did it on the show, and my I'm at full retirement age right now. Just hit it. If I wait, to, if I take it today, I get about $3,000 a month. If I wait until 70, according to the statement, I get over $4,000 a month. Now, with the 8% cost of living increase, I believe that's going to increase to about $4,300 a month. So there's a giant payoff in waiting. If you don't need the money at 66 and whatever, 67, wait until 70 because you get an extra 8% every year plus the cost of living adjustments. And finally, I've always wondered when looking at different sources for performance, why they differ. For instance, if I want to find an ETF year-to-date performance or the total year return, and I look at a site like Morningstar, then turn to a site like Google or even the custodian site, why do they differ? Appreciate your comments. Enjoy your show. Please keep up the good work. You're a big help. The numbers differ based on the time at which the calculations were run. Uh, you'll, but the, you'll notice the differences should be quite small. Uh, again, if everybody's getting the same numbers from the same sources, I, I rarely see 
anything, unless there's a big mistake, uh, in the way of a large difference. It's fractions. So there shouldn't be a big difference. There might be a minute-to-minute or hour-to-hour or even day-to-day difference reflected, depending on when those numbers were calculated. And they usually tell you when. I know Morningstar tells you when they calculated it, so uh, you should be able to tell when. There will be some difference, though, hour-to-hour. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. And let's go to let's go to our next one that came in through talkingrealmoney.com. Hi, Don and Tom. I have a question for the podcast. I'm wondering if having multiple funds in the same asset class is okay. I currently have AVUV and VBR in my Roth account uh, for the small cap value class. Is there pros and cons to choosing one or the other or keeping both? Thanks in advance. Is there an advantage? Hmm to owning multiple asset class funds. Yeah, I get maybe there's a diversification advantage because AVUV which is the Avantis small cap value fund and VBR which is the Vanguard small cap value I'm sorry not fund ETF. They do have slightly different portfolios. The Vanguard is close to a pure index. The Avantis is a fixed portfolio within the, uh, the, the the price range within the the what qualifies as small cap, but they tilt a little bit more toward value and a little bit smaller. So you're going to have a slightly different portfolio. So you'll have greater diversification. The Vanguard is going to tend to be less risky, should be less volatile. I mean that would be the expectation. But to have both isn't going to hurt you. To have one. Probably not going to hurt you much either as part of a very, very well-diversified portfolio. But make sure, as always, that your portfolio is well-diversified. But having extra funds doesn't really hurt. And it might improve your diversification just a little, but it's not that big a deal. And we just let's just do one more for today. This one, yeah, let's do this one here. Hello, Don and Tom. Shannon here. I love your program. Listen all the time. You talk frequently about the importance of bonds in a portfolio, and I'm just checking to make sure you still feel that way because I'm sitting here looking at my portfolio of ETF and bond funds that Vanguard put me in, and all I can say is, ugh, do you still feel that they are important? People like Rick Edelman are railing against them, saying that bonds will just keep going down, down, down. Can you please give me your thoughts? Thank you, and thanks so much for all that you do. There is almost a universal hatred of bonds and bond funds, or was, is for people who had purchased them and own them still today. But we have believed and always will believe that fixed income has a place in portfolios to mitigate some of the longer-term volatility and risk. This was a very, very unique year so far this year in 2022, or has been a very unique year, in that we saw both bonds and stocks decline because of rising interest rates, high inflation, a, a very unique time. Are we changing our opinions of bonds? Not a bit. Not a bit. 
We have always believed that everyone who wants to reduce the volatility of the stock market needs to have some fixed income securities of some kind, either through bond funds or through um, certificates of deposit or individual bonds or whatever it might be in their portfolio to mitigate some of the long-term risk. And historically, that's what they've done. We never, ever try to make predictions about the short term. Yes, bonds hurt, but I can I can assure you that Tom and I both own them, that our clients own them, and will continue to do so. Now, Rick Edelman, <laughs> since Rick Edelman sold his firm, he has become, oh, what's a good way to say it? Let's just say he moves whichever way the wind seems to be blowing at the time. He he's become more of a predictor than he used to be when he had his his uh, regular show that was his his invite his advice firm. He used to give decent advice. Now it's just wacky, in my opinion. It's just it's pandering. He's got he he he's a he's suddenly become a proponent of crypto. Um, he doesn't like bonds, but why? If you're buying them today, you're getting some decent yields. So when does he like them? He used to like them. When's he going to like them again? See, that means if you if you liked them and then you hate them and then you like them again, at some point, you're a prognosticator. You're really a market timer. And I mean, I can understand, given the uh, small fortune that he got for selling his firm to Financial Engines, I, I know he probably thinks he's a very, very special person now. But he can't predict the future any better than anybody else. So I would pay almost no attention. Let's see. I think that's all the questions for today. We'll have more tomorrow, not for the podcast, but we'll have more tomorrow live. And you could be a part of those live questions and answers by uh, calling us Saturday from noon noon until 2 Pacific time or 3 until 5 Eastern Time at 855-935-TALK as we do a live radio show in Seattle that becomes a podcast on Monday and Tuesday. So please be a part of tomorrow's show. You can also listen to it. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com. No matter where you are, we have a button that allows you to listen to it streaming. But call in, 855-935-TALK. And if you need more help than we can provide in the confines of these short answers on the show or the podcast, we we really need you to uh, believe us when we tell you that there is such a thing as free, no obligation, no sales pitch help. It's rare. It's rare. And we've gotten a lot of pushback at times. But the fact of the matter is, Tom and I believe it is essential to help everybody we can get this right, even if they are not clients of ours. Now, would we like it if you became a client? Sure. Do you have to? No. Will we help you? Yes. Will you get a sales pitch? No. Is there any cost? No. All you need to do is go to TalkingRealMoney.com and just click on Meet with an Advisor. And also, don't forget to take the risk quiz there. It's a really handy-dandy tool to find out how much risk you can tolerate. So there you have it. And by the way, there's all kinds of great stuff at TalkingRealMoney.com. Go there anytime. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. I truly appreciate all of you who listen. Please spread the word. Take really, really great care of yourselves. And we will talk again very, very soon. I'm Don McDonald, hanging out in my studio, researching, and then 
Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial product or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.